Let us pray. Gracious God, still in us any voice but your own, that we might hear your word for us today, understand it, and practice it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 16, beginning at verse 19, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You can find that in the New Testament section of your pew Bible on page 79. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm. A great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The parable we just heard describes the disparity between a very rich man feasting sumptuously every day and a very poor man named Lazarus who has no food and is covered with sores lying at the gate of the wealthy man's house. The implication is clear that the person with wealth and privilege should have tended to Lazarus given him something to eat, cleaned up and dressed his sores, perceived him as a human being with dignity, not someone to be ignored. 
There is a chasm between the two in this life, and that chasm, created by the consequences of social disparities, persists into the next life. God's love was not part of the rich man's way of living. And he finds himself absent from God's love in the next life. So the message is clear. If we allow wealth, privilege, and status to blind us to the needs of others, the chasm we create between us and them will persist into whatever existence we have after death. Heaven is where the poor, the disinherited, and the socially rejected find comfort. Jesus offers no resolution in this parable, no suggestion for a course of action. It is simply a cautionary tale. Without diminishing the importance of this message from Jesus about the eternal consequences of ignoring the needs of the poor, I want to focus this morning on the chasms people create between themselves and others. There is more to this than wealth disparity. What strikes me is how Lazarus was robbed of his humanity in this life. That can happen when individuals are stripped of all their material resources, but there are other ways this happens. Physical, sexual, or psychological abuse of another person also creates a chasm that frequently cannot be bridged. It too robs the other of dignity So I will tell you a story about a woman who suffered like Lazarus at the hands of a man who saw her as an object rather than as a person needing care. Many of you may be familiar with her story because it was featured recently on the television program 60 Minutes. Chanel Miller was 28 years old with a good job in Palo Alto. Her college-age sister was visiting her, and they decided to go to a fraternity party. She drank more than she could handle and passed out. Next thing she knew, she was in a hospital. She later learned that she had been dragged behind a dumpster and sexually assaulted while unconscious. The court appearances that followed months later were agonizing as the defense attorney treated her with contempt. In order to place her in the worst light and his undergraduate client in the best light, Chanel felt like a nobody, unworthy, perhaps even deserving to be assaulted. The chasm grew between Chanel and her assailant who excused his behavior as an indiscretion while under the influence of alcohol. But the chasm was deeper than that because the chasm existed between Chanel and society. She felt unclean, damaged, with no way back to her humanity. 
Perhaps Lazarus felt similarly, the victim of a different kind of assault. Chanel and Lazarus experienced the pain of feeling devalued and degraded. We followers of Jesus Christ can certainly affirm that both are beloved by God and the parable demonstrates clearly that God turns the tables and gives comfort to the one who is abused in this life. But what is the good news today for Chanel and others like her? Is it only a reversal of fortunes after death in the next life? I think not. Jesus was always concerned about the decisions people make in this life. And he brought good news of God's liberating love for every person. This love can free us from anything that enslaves us, even the feeling that we have no value. Jesus spoke about God's mercy and grace for transformation in this life and kept healing people so that they could be restored to community and find meaning again. But a great chasm exists between the one who is demeaned or ignored and the one who creates it or finds it acceptable. And that chasm exists between the victim and the rest of their society. The promised healing and comfort for the one who has suffered is difficult to experience. It occurs by the grace of God and it requires honesty, courage, and looking at oneself and the other with fresh eyes. God's mercy then fills one's being. That is the good news. So how did this work out for Chanel? The trial of Chanel's assailant was a trial for her as well. She was filled with dread that her life was permanently ruined. She feared she could not find self-respect again. She talks about wanting to write children's books, but believed that parents would see her in a negative light and not want to share her books with their children. When she was asked to give an impact statement to the court after the trial and before sentencing of her assailant, she found the courage and humanity and honesty that she needed. And it began the healing process. She delivered this statement to the now convicted man. It was poignant, detailed, and blatant. And I commend it to your reading. You can. Google Chanel Miller and find the impact statement. It is a window into what abused persons experience. I'll quote just five sentences from it. Nobody wins. We have all been devastated. We have all been trying to find some meaning in all this suffering. Your damage was concrete, stripped of titles, degrees, enrollment. 
My damage was internal, unseen. I carry it with me. You took away my worth, my privacy, my energy, my time, my safety, my intimacy, my confidence, my own voice, until today. Chanel wrote a book entitled, You Don't Know Me. It is her courageous and honest voice. It reclaims her humanity, and it served, I believe, as a critical vehicle in her transformation from feeling unworthy to reclaiming a sense of worth. I believe that God's grace and mercy were at work here. Chanel took up the role of being a beacon for girls everywhere who have been abused. In her impact statement to the court, she told girls and women who had suffered abuse that she stood with them, and she hoped that from her they had, and I quote, observed a small, absorbed a small amount of light, unquote. That is what it means to be an instrument of God's grace. And Jesus intended that redemption and transformation should occur in this life to bring his light to those who are living in darkness. A second story of a woman discovering God's mercy and love is that of Serene Jones, the president of Union Theological Seminary in New York City my alma mater. She's written a powerful book on grace published this year entitled, Call It Grace, Finding Meaning in a Fractured World. She has her own story of psychological abuse by her mother, who was incapable of showing her daughter love and remained critical of and spiteful toward her daughter to the very end of her life. That is the context of Serene's theological testament. Serene wanted to be merciful and compassionate toward her mother, but she needed some evidence of her mother's desire to receive forgiveness for all the abusive behavior Serene had endured over decades. That would never happen just as Chanel would never receive a request for forgiveness from her assailant, and Lazarus received no such request from the rich man. How does one heal in such circumstances? Again, it requires courage and honesty in oneself and an infusion of God's mercy and grace into one's being. Serene writes this, caught in the web of my own hurt, I never had the courage it would have taken to act mercifully toward her. When it came to my own mother, I lacked the spirit of mercy that makes the work of justice also the work of compassion. At the time of her mother's death, Serene delivered a eulogy at the funeral, celebrating her mother as a, quote, good mother, loving wife, woman of faith, servant of the community, now in the loving grasp of God's grace and mercy. 
But Sari knew she had not spoken the full truth. That gnawed at her and deprived her of the compassion she sought. She soon wrote a second eulogy addressed to her father and two sisters. This one was honest and spoke of her mother's sins as well as her graces. Listen to this one sentence about her mother from that piece. Quote, that hardness of her unforgiving soul left her frightened and furious to the end, unquote. Coming to that understanding and trusting in God's mercy, Serene could finally begin to let go of her anger towards her mother and feel mercy in herself. Here is the important message for this morning. Abuse robs another of humanity and self-worth, creating a chasm that is wide and deep. God's grace brings mercy, and mercy allows one to step back from anger and despair to discover the work of compassion toward oneself, the abuser, and other persons impacted by abuse. I suspect that the chasm created by abuse cannot be crossed without God's grace. That grace was unavailable to the rich man because he persisted in seeing Lazarus as his servant. Remember when he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. No apology to Lazarus, just a request that Lazarus be sent on a mission to help the rich man. For Chanel, grace was manifest as she sought to embrace and support all women who had suffered abuse. This was her work of compassion. For Serene, grace allowed her to see more clearly her mother's painful childhood. She could finally step back from anger and feel God's mercy in her own being. But these transformations do not come easily. So I ask any person here today who has suffered abuse by another, remember the assurance of today's parable that you are beloved by God. And know that you have a community in this place that affirms your value and worth in the name of Jesus Christ. Abuse was never your fault. Your value as a person is permanent. Moreover, trusting in your value may allow you by God's grace to step back from anger and do works of compassion. And by God's grace, we pray that no one remains stuck on the wrong side, blind even in eternity to the needs of others. Amen.